0: You're listening to the best of the Visualize You show. To celebrate my first year of podcasting, I'm counting down the top 30 episodes to celebrate all of my amazing guests and just how much fun I've had over the last 12 months. At number eight, how to build a successful jewellery business with Dan McLennan. Welcome to the Visualize You podcast. I'm your host, Beth Hewitt. I'm a spiritual performance coach helping you go from unfulfilled to passionately living your purpose. You'll learn how to create a crystal clear vision for your life so that you can change direction with confidence and have a career or start a business that is more in alignment with your true soul's calling. Each week on the show, I'll talk about topics such as the art of visualization, scripting, manifesting, and the law of attraction and I'll bring you interviews with inspirational people who have taken that path already so you can learn the practical skills that will help you do the same. Dan has bootstrapped his business from a side hustle to a six-figure business in just a couple of years. If you want to tell the listeners a little bit about where you were and then how you've come to be doing what it is that you do today,
1: yeah, no problem. I guess from the very start, I did quite well at school. After not really putting too much effort in, I guess my plan was to go to university, Um, but got A levels and realised that I couldn't just coast through them. So I actually ended up dropping out through various reasons, but Yeah, I was in a dark place then, working in a warehouse for Curry's, and this isn't how it was meant to go. After having really big dreams and big hopes and, I guess, family pushing me and expecting quite a lot from me, probably, to then just working part-time in a warehouse was, yeah, put me in a bit of a, 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 not a downward spiral, certainly a bump in the road, but... Luckily, a guy who I worked with told me about an apprenticeship scheme in accountancy, which is the profession that I really wanted to do. So doing some research on that, I found I actually got a job for a BMW dealership. I think I was quite lucky to get the job. And um, I don't think I was the most qualified person there. I, I don't think I was the smartest person, but I think my sort of personality and I think I, I'd put everything that I'd been feeling for the last sort of six months of dropping out into this interview. And I think that shone through more so than I guess appearance and whatever yeah I caught myself quite lucky that that I got that job but yeah I just I just vowed to never give up on on that and and drop out again it was a big driver for me so I I worked really hard on evening classes all my exams and and worked hard was always pushing how can I get better what 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 else can I do for you I guess for the various leadership team and stuff always asking questions and yeah in from there to the end of my career in finance in sort of 10 years I'd got from an apprenticeship and I I was a head of finance sort of finance director level so I achieved everything almost that I wanted to in that time but I think I knew a couple of years ago that this isn't for me actually Um, so this big dream of of being in finance didn't yeah it wasn't quite giving me the fulfillment that I thought it would and I, I always thought the next progression the next promotion would give me that and I think Once I get on the leadership team then I'll be happy but it never really materialized but I still I still worked, I still tried to learn as much as possible, get involved with the business but yeah I'd actually started a side hustle in 2015 selling jewellery which I can get on to why later on but it's, it's a bit of an odd one finance to jewellery but yeah <laughs> and I just knew that was like my ticket out of the nine to five but I'd almost neglected it because I was just trying. The career was paying my bills, I was getting quite good pay rises, things like that and It's like, oh, that's the side hustle is never going to get there. But that was just me focusing really on my career. But, yeah, I started to realise that was actually my ticket out of the the nine to five. So, yeah, last year, um, I made the difficult decision to to quit my job and just put everything into the business.
0: Yeah, I had a similar experience. I worked in Staples when I was about 17, 18, and I got quite good GCSEs. I'd gone to a good school. I also didn't think, this is not where I'm supposed to end up. How have yeah. I ended up here? But I think actually that work experience is actually valuable. So you talk about then getting, going on to get your apprenticeship and actually you probably did stand out because you'd got that work experience. But yeah, it's funny It's funny how our lives take.
1: Yeah, and I, did, I didn't mope around and be lazy there because I thought, oh, I'm better than this. I, I worked and I tried to be the best that I could be in that role.
0: Okay, so you started this, you started the jewellery as a side hustle 2015. Do you want to just talk about how that actually came about?
1: Yeah, so uh, I was actually looking to buy um, a present for uh, my girlfriend at the time, who when she'd put earrings in, just ears would flare up and get really, not infected, but really red and inflamed. And I thought, oh, if I can crack this and find something that works, it'd be a really good present. So when I was doing my research, I found that actually up to one in seven uh, women suffer from a metallurgy. allergy. Predominantly to nickel and yeah, just searching all the different materials that you can make jewelry out of found that stainless steel was this term hypoallergenic, which means um, unlikely to cause a reaction it's not a hundred percent guaranteed, mm-hmm. but I Found a manufacturer that had quite a low minimum order quantity so I decided a hundred pound was a lot of money to me then but I guess I just knew that I needed to take this chance. So that was the minimum order quantity. Ordered a few pairs of earrings and I had found other people who were suffering from it as well. Friends and family gave them out and in a couple of weeks, you know, they came back to me and said, oh, this really works. Um, so they bought up the rest. And so I knew I was onto something Yeah, and yeah, just set up a set up a Shopify store. I didn't wasn't very good at design. Uh, I think if I'd look back to the website now, it'd be pretty terrible. Um, <laughs> we got to start somewhere. I did it all myself. I didn't have any money to pay a designer or a website developer. So I just, all the various, I'm not sure whether YouTube was as big then. There's loads of helplines and stuff like that. Helpful guides, sorry. So yeah, just learned that, built the store. And yeah, just built from there.
0: So you knew there was a problem in terms of being able to find earrings out at what point did, the, did that turn into business do you think in terms of your mindset were you actually looking for a potential business and it, it just came at the right time This yeah. Kind
1: of, yeah I've always known I wanted to work for myself and have my own business and I guess like most people I just struggle to come up with what that business is yeah even now I get probably every day I have some sort of thing oh that would be a good business to start but actually knowing what I know now I think I think even then I subconsciously knew like it doesn't work if it's just any old business. It needs to stand out in some respect, either that's you, the product, or the yeah. business needs to stand out to actually be successful. And yeah, that just seemed like a really big problem. So obviously there's a lot of people who would be potential customers, but no real competition, which I couldn't really believe. So yeah, got myself quite lucky in, in that sense. But yeah, I've built up quite a brand in that space now. So I think it would be, it'd be hard to replicate that now. But yeah, you're just gonna the opportunity just almost came knocking it, it, leave that sort of thing, but yeah,
0: <laughs> so you've got this side hustle going, you're making a little bit of money, friends and family buying your stock and things like that. At what point did it did you see like it had legs and potential to grow bigger than that, and how did you transition away from your career?
1: Yeah, it was between the 2015 when I started it and actually leaving my job last year, obviously four years, I could have hundred percent done that quicker. And it was really slow going at, at first. Like you say, that, that the friends and families they've bought, they, that sort of dies out. And then I dabbled with Google Advertising, which was going quite well. I'd done it once and then left it. So it definitely wasn't fulfilling its full potential. Mm-hmm. But it was just gradually growing, referrals, things like that. And it, it used to just pay for a nice holiday every year or something I, I would take. Uh, just a, a small dividend each year and that would pay for something yeah so it suited me at the time because it was really low maintenance and I was quite lucky actually that because I'd moved from Newcastle to near Milton Keynes now and I lived in London for a bit I was actually lucky that my mom kept the business like the the orders going she was fulfilling them but that almost took me away from the business when I moved and it was peaks and troughs of right I'm really gonna focus on this and then because there wasn't this explosion in orders you kind of start to oh actually I'm just going to focus on my career and yeah. so it was really it was like a it was like a you know a roller coaster of of emotions and, and of working hard in it and then and then stop but I think when I realized finance is definitely not for me which was probably a year before I actually made the decision to quit that's when I really knuckled down and, mm-hmm. and, and transitioned and and pivoted into right I'm going to start putting all of my effort into my job I'm just going to almost do good enough but I'm going to put all my effort into the business and, and that's like I said before that was my ticket out um, I just d- didn't know it then but obviously as this order start build naturally and you start thinking I'm not really putting much effort into this but the orders are still growing there's definitely something there yeah yeah I guess it's hard to to make a name for yourself and especially now when there's a lot of businesses out there but if you've got the right product and, and just keep learning and keep plugging away at it it will, it will grow.
0: And did your employees know that you would, you got this side hustle? Because sometimes that's sometimes you've got really supportive employees and sometimes we don't. Did they know that you had a kind of long term plan or did you keep it on the down low?
1: In in interviews I, I was open and honest. Yeah. And I, I almost said that as it was a it was a benefit to me. I'm really good at what I do in, in my job, but also I've got this side project almost and I think I did use to downplay it I don't think that's ever going to take off but it, it, it gets me in running a business the sales and market inside it's added strings to my ball and and used that almost to my advantage in interviews but I probably did play down my, my thoughts of
0: because at that point you don't know which way it's going to go and you don't end up well, damage exactly. your career and in terms yeah. you said, so you said your mum was like fulfilling orders for you but in terms of your girlfriend how supportive were they around this move. Did you have those? Did you have a difficult conversation, or was it quite? A, you yeah, I got asked
1: this <laughs> the other day on another podcast. Um, it's really tricky because obviously I had a very good job, but but I wasn't happy. So she saw that 100. Uh, percent. We were due to get married in April, and th- this was in the sort of September October time that I actually quit my job. So obviously the months leading up to that mm-hmm. was where the discussions were taking place. Less than a year about um, then getting. Married, we'd just had our, our son, so he was a couple of months old. But that was really the driver because out the house from seven till seven, I wouldn't have seen him. And yeah. I, I didn't see him for, for a couple of days on end, which was really difficult. So it's that weighing up the, the security, but actually with a, a healthy family life. So obviously with a finance background, planned all my finances out, said we've got enough to last six months. And then at that time, we'll make a decision. If it's not working, I was confident that I could get another job. And yeah, just took that risk because you're never going to get that six months back. For me, with a, a newborn, I really wanted to spend time with him. And even if I'd gone back to a job, I think I would have valued that six months for yeah. the rest of my life. It was an easy decision for me to make. I think from Lindsay's point of view, it was tougher because of all these financial commitments that were had. Yeah. we just bought a house in twenty. 17 or 18 so yeah all, all these things time. within a couple of years <laughs> and then oh actually, i'm just gonna quit my job yeah <laughs> but sometimes you have to make the difficult decisions to otherwise it never would have been where it was today and and we're really lucky today now that i get to spend sort of breakfast time dinner time putting to bed and yeah it wouldn't change it for the world
0: okay one of the things i want to ask you about so you've obviously come from the motor trade and you put in in your bio around some of the questionable tactics that salespeople within that industry have. And one of the things that I've really noticed from your own customer service is that the family side, obviously you've got your son and your wife in a lot of the social media that you do, but also the the nice touches that you do with the love heart sweets in the boxes and the handwritten cards. So did that play a really big part in the brand and how you developed that? Can you just tell us a little bit about why that's so important to you?
1: Yeah, obviously I wasn't customer facing. But I guess as part of the management team, I used to, you know, be in all the meetings and, and business development, things like that. And, and one of the things that we used to get pushed from the manufacturer at the time was our customer service. But whenever I would be walking in, in the showroom and you, you hear little snippets from from customers or from the sales guys, and it almost made me cringe. And I think. One of the things, obviously, how do you, how did I want to be seen? How did I want my business to be seen? And how did I want my customers to feel? And I think if you take the money aside and and stop being so focused on profit, which obviously I am focused on profit, but in terms of being the most profitable you can be, Mm -hmm. I think people focus too much on that. And rather than create value, it's how do you create value other than jewelry by making? People don't buy Jewelry, the buy the feeling of wearing jewelry, and and opening it, and receiving it, and it's almost like a gift to yourself, and that's very much how I wanted to see it. And I like that. Subconsciously, it was. I think it did. It, looking back, it definitely stems from all the bad sort of habits I've seen the salesmen do, and and whatever. But it, it was never, oh, because of that, I want to do this. It was just how do I actually want my business to make people feel, and that was the main driver. But yeah, I think that built up because of my experiences. In the last 10 years and when you buy things yourself you get little little sweets in a package and it, it just you just open it you just don't expect it all these uh-huh. added little things that won't make a huge difference to me profit wise but actually it, it's it grows the business because that, that their talking points if you were just trying to get the lowest possible packaging cost that you could we use sustainable packaging it would be far cheaper for me to just go buy something that, that wasn't you know recyclable. Yeah. but but those long-term things actually people are more focused on that now so actually it can be quite a powerful marketing strategy which which is invaluable really you can't put a figure on that so yeah it's definitely half from experiences and half just from just common sense and and how do you want to make people feel
0: yeah I think you're bang on the money with that I think people can see marketing and sales a mile off now and I think it is more about the customer experience and how we we make people feel I think there's no better ways with giving a gift to yourself in terms of jewellery and that emotion that that evokes I think it's a really powerful thing that you're doing so in terms of your skills and experiences that you've amassed over this journey and even from your career prior to that I really want people who are listening to this show to get a sense of actually we've all got these skills and experiences I like to call them superpowers but is there anything that you would want to blow your own trumpet about today and just say actually I'm really good at, at this and this is what I think my superpowers are
1: Yeah, see, I don't think I'm particularly great at anything. But what I definitely am good at is when I realise that I'm not good at something, finding a way to do it to the best of my ability. So I guess that is mindset and learning. I would never, you hear people procrastinate, especially when starting businesses, because they don't know what to do. So that would drive me more to go and learn about doing it and 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 actually at the end of it you think wow look what i've achieved even though when i look at the start i didn't have a clue what i was doing so that mindset and and i'm not sure i've always had it i think underlying probably yes but noticing it probably not until the last sort of five years of of really noticing wow actually i just go and do it rather than procrastinating and, and sitting and watching netflix or whatever i'd much rather be. Reading a business book or listening yeah. to an audio book or a podcast and learnings, and I think that continual learning because obviously from a finance background, put me in front of a customer ten years ago, and I would have just had a meltdown. Even when I quit my job only last year, and we we hadn't had a phone number before because obviously I was in a nine to five job. Even those first few calls that we got from customers, I was really nervous um, because I'd just never done that before. Mm-hmm. Now actually, I quite like ringing customers because. I guess they get to speak to me who started the business and nobody's going to talk about the products in the business better than I am and why they should buy what value are they going to get you can't teach that but putting yourself in those situations can be scary like podcasting um, just talking about my story is something that I used to hide behind the, the logo and people thought it was a big business before and it's only since we started sharing our story that we're actually a small family business yeah sales have actually massively increased because uh-huh. People's and people can resonate with it. From. Yeah. So I guess that would just make my superpower like learning and, and, and continually improving small steps that make big changes in, in the long run.
0: I'm all for that yeah. superpower. I think learning and having that mindset is part of the journey for entrepreneurs. That kind of segues into the support that you obviously, when you get stuck or when you're not sure how to do something, you obviously ask for support. And I've seen that you've been part of the NatWest entrepreneurial spark and... I think also Virgin Business. I've had a grant from Virgin as well. So I yes, think, I I think it's really important to for, for start-up business or pre-start business to appreciate that there's actually a wealth of support available for business, especially in the UK. Yeah. I can't speak for, for all these other uh, countries. And that's been part of my journey is managing some of these business support programmes. And I have worked with Entrepreneurial Spark in the past. I actually sat in their offices in the Leeds one. I'm assuming you were, were you in the Newcastle. Milton Keynes, The Milton Keynes Keens one. Uh, but they are dotted dot, dot all over the country. Yes. So yes. I think definitely have a look if you're stuck. Sometimes it's just about being around other entrepreneurs, isn't it? And just picking the brains yeah. and just being at that same starting point for people. How was that for you? Are you still part of that community?
1: Yeah, that started just as I was thinking about making this change to run the business for full time. Um, and I think... I don't, think, I don't think I actually would have made that decision had I not been part of that. You talk about the wealth of knowledge around and just it gives you confidence, actually, that you're not in this alone. And I think, yeah, they've just been really fantastic. And yeah, did the first six months, which was actually tough six months for our, our business. We lost the supplier yeah, and it, around Christmas time couldn't get stock. And then, yeah, so Christmas wasn't great for us. And I was almost two months away from getting a job. But then we solved that, and, and I don't know if I would have. I don't think I would have given up. But they, they certainly held my hand a little bit mm-hmm. and and pushed me. You know, keep going, keep going. And yeah, we got through the other end of it, and then I absolutely skyrocketed after that. And you just never know how close you are to success. And I think a lot of people give up maybe a month or two just before the and it, it always happens like that. Uh-huh. Just about to give up, and actually something changes. And and yeah, that that's something that I've learned over the last year um speaking to other entrepreneurs and we do an accountability call things like that are people just people there they who are in the same situation as you even just to have a rant and to say how bad you're feeling but then that gets you over that day get over yourself get on with it and, <laughs> and yeah that is honestly one of the best things i've done
0: hi listener thank you so much for listening to this episode I thought we'd just pause a moment to let you know that there is so much waiting for you at my website, BethHewitt.com, where you can access free downloads, access the Visualize You free Facebook community, where I go live every single week. Plus, you can learn about the power of scripting access the visualization ball and find out more about my membership visualize and thrive so go check it out and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast head to bethhewitt.com and I can't wait to connect with you real soon now let's get on with the show yeah I think having support and just being around people that are going through the same things or been through the same things or can point you in the same direction because they've already tackled that particular challenge it's so important so in terms of your journey, your career journey, and then starting your business—is there any kind of life lesson that you would like to pull out of all of that you would like to share with with the listeners?
1: Definitely, looking after your mind and your body. I mentioned the continual learning. I used to commute probably three hours a day, and that's that felt like such wasted time for me. So I used to um, listen to audio books. So actually, that three hours turned into one of the most productive three hours of my day because I was learning, and then. When I'd get home, I'd have something to implement. And I think finding times in your day, a making time as well, instead of lying in until sort of nine o'clock, get up at seven and that's two hours that you could be Mm -hmm. learning or exercising. And I just think I I never would have, I I 100% know this, that I wouldn't be where I am today had I not listened to you know, countless books, read, listened to audio books. And for someone who, didn't go to university or, or anything like that to then i feel like i know quite a lot so I might not be an expert in any one field but actually definitely good enough to start a business and, and grow it and i didn't get that from school i, I just got that from continually learning and improving if there's any areas in your life that you aren't particularly strong at so design for me find tools and and, and resources that can help you but actually having the going back to the sort of looking after your body having the motivation to do that comes from exercise and Mm -hmm. doing eating healthily It just i've lost two stone this year from when everybody
0: else has put it on you've lost two stone very gently yeah
1: exactly and and, and i feel so much better and and so much more motivated now than i did even though i was motivated before now it's another level and i think i've just slipped into into bad habits of eating and and not exercising yeah
0: so in terms of how you market yourself? Can you just talk about what's working for you now?
1: Yeah, so Google's still a really good channel for us. So obviously, when you've got your advert at the top, and you know, then then the sort of the free places, so to speak, uh, underneath. And I think a lot of people, th- there's there's almost two different mindsets. of Right, you should just focus on SEO and, and getting your website to the top organically, and then the other person who's like just do ads and get to the top there. But actually, it's one marketing strategy doesn't work in isolation, so you've got to you've got to be testing everything. And we've tried a lot that hasn't worked, um, but almost that's just right. Something now that's now laser focused us in on the things that do work. So mm-hmm. we started Google advertising, which obviously is people searching for your product, so they are hot leads. They want your products; so they have for it. All you now have to do is portray trust and value to your customer. Whereas interruptive marketing, like Facebook, You really have to stand out to capture someone you could use clickbait but then they get on the website and think this is not what i wanted so they just click straight Straight off it i talk about it like the website almost like a a colander you wouldn't put water into a colander because you just got all these holes so it's that's your website or your business before you do marketing you have to make sure that your messaging is correct and you've shown the trust of the business of the product first and that's your biggest marketing like the trust element before you start thinking about Facebook or or Google or anything like that. So actually marketing starts with you, with your business, with your product and every single touch point. We, we, we look at every single touch point in our business and say, how can we make that better? How can we make that a more enjoyable experience and things like that people don't think about has actually been the differentiator for us. So the the thank you emails that go out afterwards, a lot of people just get a, a, an email that just says your order has been confirmed that, that's got such high open rate that if that's all it says you're missing out on much that's an opportunity to say we actually have got so much more value on our social media channels so why don't you follow us teeing them up for that giving you reviews and then that promotes trust or, or joining the loyalty scheme that gives them more value because they're then going to get points and, yeah. and, 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 and rewards i can't say that one channel is going to make a the biggest difference but you've just got to think of, right, every touch point, every thing that your customer sees on about you and your brand, how can you make that the best possible? How, and trust, how, how can you portray the most amount of trust with each thing that they see? And start with that before thinking about Google and Facebook. And, and Because once you've got that in place, then your adverts are more likely to work because you've got your messaging solid.
0: Yeah, so if, if somebody was thinking about starting a really small e-commerce business today what would you say that they should focus on
1: yeah so definitely your messaging first and once you've got that and, and your processes so that pe- people expect delivery within because of amazon the, the one yeah. the next day even if you're a small family business so it's all, all the elements that think think of all the elements that a customer could be upset about or could stop them purchasing from you and really nail down every single one of them and then look to get the word out there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Because if you do it the other way around, you're gonna be sending people to your website and they're gonna get there and think, this isn't for me or I don't trust this business. Yeah, start with the messaging and trust and then start to look at Google first because that's people who are actually searching for you because Facebook works really well, but it has to have data because it creates lookalike audiences of the people who are buying. No one's buying, it doesn't have data, it's it's wasted money because it's thrown it's it facebook's then having to do the testing for you whereas if you've done all that work first then facebook's already got that data and go just find more people like the other people who are buying and and that's when that becomes really valuable and good imagery uh, is really important making it really visual especially for fashion and, and, and things like that yeah so yeah it's hard to say one thing because
0: I think so it's just about getting going and and testing and tweaking and see what happens but I would imagine it's a little bit of a sweet spot is it for you in terms of what people are searching for if you haven't got much competition in terms of the type of jewelry
1: yeah but you find so you need to find something that's different to your competitors so if you're selling exactly the same as somebody else that doesn't mean that you can't be successful that it then becomes about you and your business and, and your service it's not always about price. I suppose with Google shopping arguably price is very important. but a lot of people don't just click on one product and then buy it straight away they like to do their research. so if if you are slightly more expensive than the next competitor, but you offer one hundred percent you know satisfaction guarantee or ninety day returns policy over the other one, they're going to trust you more mm-hmm. for that extra, few pounds i think i'm definitely gonna buy from them because i know that if i don't like it i can can send it back and and most people don't unless it's a terrible product obviously but uh, if you do if you're doing that you wouldn't sell a terrible product and that's what customers know so yeah you've got to find a differentiator
0: yeah i think that's really good advice and i think what you said about the messaging even more important with when we're up against amazon who next day if it's not going to be there next day but having that communication and and being part of that customer journey in terms of making that sale and what happens next and the follow-up for that, I think is really important and it is growing that trust, isn't it? For future purchases and really makes the customer feel like you've really thought about them as part of that process. So I think that's yeah. really important.
1: Yeah. We say that we're a small family business. We package all your, you know, orders with love and care and, and get them out. And then think, people think, Oh, fair enough. I can wait a couple of days. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, not not everyone you, you do get the odd can you deliver this tomorrow sorry you don't pay me 70 pound a year for amazon prime sorry so uh, <laughs> i physically can't do that yeah. i'd love to be able to don't get me wrong but yeah at the minute it's hard but most people understand
0: i normally end to ask the question around what you Visualize for the future, but I'm conscious that you've got a, a new venture coming up called e-commerce coaching. Do you want to just tell a little bit more about that and what prompted you to get this up and running?
1: Yeah, so obviously, I, as we mentioned before, I'm part of the NatWest Accelerator program, and especially in this time, a lot of people want to transition to online businesses. So I've been getting a lot of questions about my story and what I'm seeing as being successful on my store. So. And I'd much rather be helping other people than working. Yeah, I've set up an Instagram channel um, called Ecom Coaching, which I'm going to do weekly challenges around different topics. So this week, mindset. And then obviously, it will be different things to do with um, the store. So looking at trust and, and, and your homepage, things like that. And yeah, do daily lives which is really scary, um, Mm -hmm. of talking around why and and, and pointing you in the right direction so that somebody who's just starting out, because there's a lot of information out there, so someone who's just starting out gets almost pushed. I'm not going to give you the tools to make a six-figure business overnight. Mm -hmm. It it comes from you, but it's a little prompt, a little push in the right direction. And yeah, I don't don't know where that's going to go, but it's nice to just think that if one or two people can be able to leave their job or start a business because of it, then it's yeah. time well spent for me. So yeah, that's yeah, e-commerce that coaching.
0: And I was thinking about this morning because, in terms of what you just said about you, you can't give them all the kind of tools to go out and make X amount of money. But I, th- I think it's the mindset, isn't it? You could have the exact same process, and people could do exactly the same things, but the success isn't necessarily going to be the same. And I think a lot of that is to do with the mindset and how we show up so I think it's really important to share that as well.
1: Yeah but I, th- I was just going to say in, in starting a business it might not be this business that is successful for you. I've started businesses that have that have failed and, and I haven't thought fully about that. I just thought this one's not taking up too much of a time so if I just get another few going then everything will be fine but didn't go through the right processes of that is this actually right for my my mindset my life at the minute how much time i've got to put into it so yeah i've dealt with failure and it, it's not nice but actually just knowing that I've, what i've learned from those things taking that into the next one it's like the light bulb you've got to go through a th- thousand ways that it didn't work t- mm-hmm. to get that one and, and that's not a failure that's that's a learning yeah it might not be this business that hopefully
0: it'll be ten thousand businesses but... that you have to start
1: but <laughs> hopefully not a thousand <laughs> but yeah um,
0: Okay. In terms of your longer term future, then, what what are you visualising in the longer term for you and the business? And have you
1: got? I mean, for for my business, Solace Jewelry, I just I want that to be obviously help as many people as mm-hmm. I can wear jewelry again comfortably. I'd quite like to get to a seven figure business or or more. But what I really want to do is actually make sure I'm protecting my work life balance. Over, whereas a couple of years ago I would have just said I want it to be the biggest business ever, but now it changes your perspective I think when you have kids but I just I want to be able to live a healthy balance of work fulfillment that I'm doing something that's helping people as well as obviously living comfortably so that has definitely changed but yeah and it it is ever changing things my son grows up and gets a bit older and is a bit less attached then that might change and it that might be the time to really push the business but yeah at the minute it's just having after going 10 years of working really hard and really long hours, it's quite nice to be able to work hard, but protect that time with family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's my goal at the minute. And then with the e-com coaching, yeah, just help a few people if I can. And yeah, I'm not sure where that will take me, but it, it's, it helps me learn as well. It's actually helping me, benefit me and in, in increasing my skills.
0: I always think it's more powerful when you see marketers who like are learning and then teaching. Learning, implementing, and then teaching what they've done. I think you feel more... You, that you're not too far away from them in terms of mm. actually that's achievable for me as well. So I think yeah. that's a really good thing to do. I will put all of the kind of links in the show notes where people can find out, but where, tell us where you would like people to come and find more out about Solace Jewellery.
1: Yeah. So my business is solacejewelry.co.uk. Um You can obviously find us on Facebook and Instagram, Solace Jewellery. And yeah, if you're looking to start a business, an e-commerce business, got an Instagram channel, e-com coaching. And uh, hopefully I can be of some value. But, yeah, thanks for having me on. And
0: You're welcome. Been been lovely to speak to you today. Okay, so that's all for today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any aha moments, tag me in your social media stories. And please, please, please leave me a review on iTunes. It'll really help me out. Until next time, remember to visualise you.